the splendor of a king clothed in majesty let all the earth rejoice all the earth rejoice he wraps himself in light and darkness tries to hide it trembles at his voice trembles at his voice How Preston Crest. My name is Randy Tucker. I have the privilege of serving as one of the elders here. We're grateful for your participation. Those of you who are physically present with this and also those who are participating via our live stream or YouTube channel. I'd like to uh, ask you to please uh, remember to check in so we can have a record of your attendance. You also can be made aware of activities that are coming up and share prayer requests. So if you'll take advantage of that this morning. Invite you back tonight at 6 as we continue the study in Genesis. Uh, Gordon will be presenting that tonight, and that aligns with the uh, study that our Leadership Training for Christ uh, students are participating in in Genesis. I have certainly enjoyed the uh, Bible Project timeline, especially this week as some of the words were interpreted and defined, and that was, uh, I'd encourage you to continue to participate in that, even though we are in numbers, and sometimes that gets a little tedious, but participate uh, in that would be good. As we begin our service this morning, let's read from Psalms uh, 147 and 1 through 5. Praise the Lord, how good it is to sing praises to our God, how pleasant and fitting to praise him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem, he gathers the exiles of Israel, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limits. Let us pray. Father, we come before you this morning declaring your majesty and glory. And we acknowledge you as our one and true God, the creator of heavens and earth and our champion and defender. And Father, we thank you for the abundant way that you meet our needs. Father, help us to be grateful and content and may we always show hospitality and welcome and kindness to all. Help us to meet the needs, Father, of those that are widowed and fatherless and those dealing with loneliness. And Father, we know that we fall short daily in our efforts to live holy and upright lives. Forgive our sins. Teach us to forgive as you have forgiven us. And may we live in peace with men and shine the light of your Son in our lives. Father, shield us from Satan. We know that he is seeking to devour and guard our hearts and minds as we seek to glorify you in all we do. We ask this in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. 
Thanks, Randy. Church, let's stand and let's sing this morning. Oh, Lord, my God, when I lost on
We're going to sing one more song as we enter into this time of communion. And Jesse Chestnut will lead us this morning around the bread and around the cup. You give up, you are you bring light to the darkness, you give all, you restore every morning church we made it <laughs> he I, I got the uh, the email the other day to uh, to pray over the Lord's Supper and I always get so nervous up here and I give presentations and have meetings and calls on a daily basis but because of the seriousness of it to understand that God is, God has met us more than halfway. He was, his son was brutally crucified on a cross. He said, this is my body broken for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for bringing us here. We think about your son giving him for, for a world who didn't deserve it, certainly didn't do anything to earn this. Lord, we know he took the punishment that we could not. Body broken for us, for the forgiveness of our sins. As we eat this bread, Lord, we, we pray that we're able to keep that front of mind and focus on the sacrifice that was made for us. In your son's great name, amen.
God, as we, we take the cup, we think about your son and his, his blood poured out for us. He who did no wrong, he had no sin. Because we know this to be true, we, we know that, that it's only his blood that can cover and atone for ours. So Lord, as we drink it, help us to remember this sacrifice this blood that cleanses us and, and leaves us white as snow. In your son's great name, amen. Good morning, everybody. You know, Jesse, you're talking about you made it, and sometimes it's like that. Hey, it's just a triumph to, to get here and to, to, to move myself into the presence of God with his people. Last week, when you said that, it reminded me, um, first service, I get my communion pack out, and we're sharing the bread together, and I'm like, whoa, there's two pieces of bread in here. I got the double. And what was, really, what was really something was second service. I'm sitting there by Isla. She opens hers, my wife. I open mine. Two pieces of bread at second service. And I was like, okay, God, I know that maybe I need a little extra grace today. Maybe I need a little extra of your presence today. And I enjoy those 
signs of God's favor, of his blessing. And that's what communion is, right, Jesse? We're just reminded of that sacrifice, as brutal as it was, and that he did it, like you said, for you. It was for us. Um, we're about to share a, a time of praying over ministry here at Preston Crest. If you want to give, you can give online through our website. You can give through church teams. You can drop a check or some money in the box out in the foyer. But there are so many good works of this church. Uh, one of them is Lifeline Chaplaincy. It's just a ministry where a lot of our members go and visit the sick in hospitals. And you talk about a little, uh, some people who need some extra grace. Uh, if you've been laid up in a hospital... You know what I'm talking about. And so for those that go and offer that grace through these visits and through this ministry, thank you so much. Let's pray together. God, you visit us in our time of need. You, you saw us while we were sinners and you sent Jesus, you sent a Savior. And God, I'm thankful for so many sisters and brothers at this church that, that respond to that by going to those who are in need, who are having a, a moment, maybe of pain or of loneliness or struggle. And those people who partner with you in the gospel and go and share your grace to those folks in those moments, I'm thankful. And God, I pray that you'll lift up the arms of all of those folks that we partner with at Preston Crest, members of this church who go out into our mission field here in Dallas-Fort Worth, and our partners on the other side of the world who are taking the gospel out. Bless them. Bless them. Strengthen them. In the name of Jesus, amen. Preston Crest family, my name is Dottie White and I have the privilege of serving as a volunteer for Lifeline Chaplaincy. Preston Crest has been involved with Lifeline Chaplaincy for many years and when we don't have COVID restrictions, we have several members of our congregation that participate in visiting those in area hospitals. Patient visitation is at the heart of this ministry. Trained volunteers extend care to patients and their families, striving to ensure that members of the church in the Dallas Metroplex who are hospitalized are visited and provided whatever support they may require. When you give to Preston Crest Good Works, you support Lifeline Chaplaincy. Because of your generous support, Preston Crest can provide financial as well as volunteer support to this ministry. As Jesus said in Matthew 24, 36, I was sick and you visited me. church let's stand one more time we're going to send kids on up to children's church right now and uh, we're going to sing one more song before Gordon come back comes back to share with us this morning love one
Good morning. I could get that. I'm capable of moving that thing. Hey, do you know what's coming up next week? Fajita fundraiser. Fajita, but and it puts the really puts the fun in fundraising. This one. So we do. I don't know how many years we've done this now, but it is it is a support for our youth group and their mission trips this summer. They have two exciting mission trips where they will be working hard, one in Guatemala as part of the larger Preston Crest group. Another group will be going to Oklahoma City. And so whether you stay and eat fajitas, which I would recommend because they are delicious, or you just want to drop a check or make a contribution on the website or in the box next week, you can do that. But that is coming up next week. Let's support our young men and women here at Preston Crest. Uh, next week. Philippians chapter 1. This is Paul's favorite church, by the way. Here's how he starts the letter. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father in the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. You are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me it served, it's really served to advance the gospel. What had happened to Paul? Well, he talked about that earlier there, his imprisonment. He said, even though it looks like my situation is bad, I want you to know this, this is something God is using to promote the gospel. So he loved this church. He loved every church, right? But this church was special. He had a lot of history with these folks. He held them in his heart. And I just think this morning... How Paul felt about Philippi, it's how God wants us to feel about our church, which is his church, right? It's our family. It's our place to belong. The truth is, God created this thing. And Jesus is the founder of this thing that we call the church. And it is a place to belong. It is a place for believers to move more and more into this new God-given identity 
as his daughters and sons. It is a place where we, we live out this journey together as the family of God. A few weeks back, uh, Josh Rivas at this service shared our communion thought, and he is a relatively new believer who came to Christ here at Preston Crest. He's got quite a story. He's done some prison time for some drug offenses, and now he is a full-time counselor, licensed therapist, working with people who have drug addiction issues. When he came to us, he was on the, on the recovery side of a traumatic brain injury. I wanted to share with you some words that he sent me right as a week or two ago, he and his wife Mel moved to Seattle, Washington. He said, Preston Crest, I came to this church at my lowest point. I had suffered a brain injury and was incredibly lost. I felt as though my identity had been taken away from me. I came through the doors in desperation. And soon Gordon and everyone made me feel like I, there's this word, like I belonged. And I found my true identity as a disciple of Christ. Amen. He writes, in this church, I was saved in every way a person can be. My heart is full with the love of my Savior, Jesus Christ, and for the family I have here at Preston Crest. Josh here found his identity in Jesus, and he found his place to belong. And I'll never forget his baptism back in November of 2019. And Josh isn't alone. So many of us have found our place in God's family here. Um, the Holy Spirit in the New Testament uses several different images, beautiful images, to kind of paint a picture of what the church is and what the church is to be. And the complex ways that we work with each other and that we interact with God, our Father, like the church is a flock. Now, we may not deal with flocks on a day-to-day -day basis today. Perhaps you do. But in the first century, everyone got an image of a flock as soon as that was invoked in the New Testament. They had seen flocks. They saw flocks all the time sheep grazing in a green valley or on a hillside. They had seen these flocks with their shepherd who was leading and feeding them. And so one of the New Testament actually words for an elder of the church, a church leader, is poimen. It's a pastor. It's a shepherd. It's someone who leads and feeds the flock of God. And by definition... A flock sticks together. It's not a flock if it's not sticking together. There's a Greek word for a lamb who no longer has a flock. It's planithe. Say that with me. Planithe. Planithe. This word means lost. A lamb without a flock is lost. Another image. Beautiful image that the Bible uses for the church is the bride of Christ. Think about how, how God feels about us, his church. We may be imperfect. We are. We've got our issues. But we are his. We are the bride of Christ. It also calls us the body of Christ. We may not be as familiar with what a flock is, but we're very familiar with bodies. We've all got bodies, and bodies are designed to stick together. The hand is supposed to stick to the arm. The arm is supposed to stick to the torso. And when the body becomes disintegrated, or there's actually a word for that, dismembered, then it is not a healthy body. And when a Christian, when a disciple 
is not a member of a local church when that disciple is dismembered. Not a healthy disciple. No judgment. It's just, it's just not a healthy situation. We saw last week Peter walking us through different images of us, the church, as a, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, um, a race, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. All these images. And this morning, what I want to do is zero in on the most common reference point for the church in the New Testament, which is the church as the family of God. The local church in the city of Ephesus, Paul wrote them and he said, Guys, Ephesians 2.19, you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are members of God's family. Read that with me if you would. You Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are members of God's family. You're not out there. God is not distant. You're part of his family. We just sat around the table with the Lord this morning. What an amazing thing. And because of what Jesus accomplished on our behalf, not because of anything we did, but because of what he accomplished, we are God's family. Josh found that to be true here at Preston Crest. And Paul writing to a church that was uh, problematic in Galatia told those people, this island of misfit toys church in Galatia, in Galatians 6 verse 10, you are a family of faith. We are a family of faith. God is our Father. Remember how Jesus taught us to pray. He said, not my Father. He said, our Father who is in heaven. We're a family. God is our Father. We're a family. Jesus is our older brother. I love this verse in Hebrews 2.11 that says, And Jesus was not ashamed to call us his brothers. What a beautiful thing. And in a family, of course, there's shared life together. There are fajita dinners together. In a family, there are shared responsibilities together. There are traditions that families have. There is, at least there should be, a deep love, an an agape, an unconditional love for each other. And Jesus himself exemplified this during his life on earth when he elevated the spiritual family even, yes, even above his own biological family. In Matthew 12, they said, hey, Jesus, your family's here. And he said, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand to who? To his disciples. Stretching out his hand to his disciples. He said, here are my my mother. Here are my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven, that's my brother. That's my sister. That's my mother. I have these impressions of being a child and hearing my parents answer the phone. You know, we had one of those phones in the kitchen that had like the 30-foot cord. You guys remember that? Back when phones had cords? Kind of a fun time. But they'd be on the phone, mom would be cooking dinner or something, and all of a sudden I would hear her call the other person's sister or brother And I knew that was somebody from our church family. And I would hear my dad on the phone giving medical advice to somebody. And he'd call them brothers. I knew that was part of our church family. My parents showed me by the way they treated their church family how important this is, what we have together. And Paul, writing to another dysfunctional church, This one in Corinth. It's interesting. We kind of talked last week about this series of of sin issues in that church and divisions in that church. But Paul shows us they were family. He calls them in in, in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10, brothers 
1 Corinthians 6, 8, my brothers. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, my beloved brothers. I remember years ago when I left home and I went off to Oklahoma, to Oklahoma Christian up in Oklahoma City to begin my undergraduate studies I felt so alone. Am I going to make any friends up here? Am I going to belong here? And I remember one of those ways that God showed me his love was through this precious family at the Memorial Road Church there. Howard and Marilyn informed me they were going to be my host parents. And Marilyn would regularly stuff me with her pot roast and her chocolate cake. And she said, anytime you need to come over to wash clothes, you can come over and use our utility room, wash your clothes. Or if you just want to come over and get away from the dorms, she was letting me know, we're family. We're family. I love those people who take this concept of spiritual family, brother, sister, God, our father, and they make it flesh and blood like real. I love that. Jan Peterson wrote a poignant piece about the church. You may know her husband, Eugene Peterson, who translated the message. But Jan Peterson writes this about the church. She said, being a church member is a vocation, a way of life. It means participation in an intricate web of hospitality. Living at the intersection, what a good phrase here, living at the intersection of human need and God's grace. Inhabiting a community where men and women who don't fit in are welcomed. And where neglected children are noticed. Where the stories of Jesus are told. And people who have no stories find that they do have stories Stories that are part of Jesus' story. Being a church member places us strategically, yet unobtrusively, at a heavily trafficked intersection between heaven and earth. As we consider her thoughts, or the more ancient thoughts of Jesus and Peter and Paul, We get this clearer picture, don't we, of the church as a place for hurting people, for struggling people, for lost people. It's a place to love and to be loved. It's a place to call home. And there is no perfect church. You've probably heard this before. If there were a perfect church, it would stop being perfect the second one of us walked in. Amen? (laughs) It just would. And so Paul calls the broken people, he calls the struggling people, the imperfect people in Corinth, my beloved brothers, my Adelphoi. Usually in the New Testament where you see brothers, it's Adelphoi, which is siblings, brothers, sisters alike. And so Paul calls them beloved brothers. And then Philippi, hmm. the Philippians. His heart is just bursting with feelings and emotions as he opens that letter to the Philippians. Let's talk a little bit about his history with that church family. In Philippi, there weren't a lot of options. If you were looking for a Christian church, there wasn't a you know, choice between Redeemer Church of Philippi or Main Street or Northside Church in Philippi, there was one choice in Philippi. It was the church that met at Lydia's house. Lydia was a successful merchant. Paul had encountered her and a group of women who met by the Gangetes River, who had this prayer group. He came in and he began to share the gospel with them, and she became a believer, a follower of Christ. Her home became the church building, the hub of the life of the Philippian church. Also in Philippi, Paul and Silas had been arrested, which isn't 
particularly noteworthy. They tended to get arrested at a lot of places. But in Philippi, they had been arrested for, quote-unquote, disturbing the city. What had they done? They had found a teenaged slave girl who was demon-possessed, and they cast the demon out in the name of Jesus. Caused a problem. Because somehow, through her demon possession, she was able to tell fortunes, predict the future. Her owners made money off of her. And so they saw a loss of income stream when she was delivered from darkness. They had them arrested. They had them beaten. They had them thrown in prison. Long story short, miraculous thing happened while they're in prison. And they're singing praises to God. And they end up in a Bible study in the middle of the night with the warden of the jail and his family. And they baptized them all. <laughs> this is Philippi. It's a place of struggle and suffering. It's a place of miracles and the move of God. This is Philippi. So Paul had these emotional, even life and death experiences with those people in that city. And incredibly deep connections with them came out. And so he thought so fondly of these brothers and sisters. By the way, even at this church, Philippi, which I would say among the New Testament churches is an exemplary church. They got a lot of things right there, but even they had trouble and Paul had to address it. Euodia and Syntyche, two women of the church, did not get along. They were disagreeing. They were arguing. We don't know exactly what it was about. But his advice to them in the letter to the Philippians isn't, hey, why don't you two go find different churches to worship at? Or Euodia, why don't you go plant another church so you guys don't have to see each other? His advice to them was not that. It was you need to reconcile in the Lord. You need to come back together. And since Christ's church was made up of and is made up of, of different personalities and all kinds of different preferences and all kinds of different political views. We need something greater than ourselves to unite us. And that is our Father. That is our God. And that is the Spirit of God who holds us together so much greater than our differences. There will be friction from time to time. There will, there will be Euodia and Syntyche moments from time to time. But praise God, his grace is so much bigger. His gospel is so much bigger than those things. Paul shared with us in his opening to the letter that we are held together by God our Father, chapter 1 verse 2. He shared with them that we are held together by our powerful Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, verse 2. He shared with them that we are held together, verse 5, by our partnership in the gospel and by the ongoing work of God within us, verse 6. He tells them that he regularly prays for them. He prays for this church family. Philippians 1.9, it is my prayer that what? That your love may abound more and more. It's that love that holds us together. Now I want to finish up this morning being specific about Preston Crest. What, is, what does it look like to be a member of the Preston Crest Church and to be a good brother or sister in Christ. There's a lot of stuff here. Don't worry. I'm just going to kind of read this list. These are things that Phil Jackson, one of our shepherds, and I share with new members at this church. Here we go. We reach up, we reach in, we reach out. You see our vision on the wall out in the lobby. We reach up to the Father. We ask each member of this family to attend worship services regularly. The flock needs to be the flock. As far as it is possible, as far as it depends on us, we need to be together. 
I'll grow in my relationship with Christ. It's this focus. I'm never done. I'm, I'm never arriving. I'm always growing. I'm always maturing. There's always something to learn. There's always sin that needs to be defeated. There's always ways that I can grow in my relationship with Christ. And then I give faithfully of my money to the work of Preston Crest. Now reaching in. These are building our connections with each other. I'm going to reach in here as a member of this family by getting involved in a Bible class connection. Phil and I talk about how different from a lot of churches, our Bible class connections, this is where the life of this church really happens. I will act in love toward other Preston Crest members. And I will use my gifts and talents to serve the needs of this church. I don't think anything is too surprising in this list, but it's good to be reminded of these core things that we do. One final thing, we do reach out. God wants us to reach out. This is our partnership in the gospel that Paul talks about. And some of these things are very, very simple, like warmly receiving guests on Sundays. Not just looking for your people that you know, for your friends, but looking for other sheep who are coming here, looking for a place to belong, warmly receiving them. I will serve those outside the church. I will pray for the growth of my family. I will do some neighboring, literally getting to know those people that live next door from you, across the street, building relationship with them, and maybe getting opportunities to pray with them or serve them. And finally, I will invite unchurched friends, family, and co-workers to attend Preston Crest. I heard a story last week of a member who invited her server at a restaurant to attend church. And actually, her sir, it wasn't her server, it was a banquet manager at a pretty fancy restaurant in town. I won't mention it, but guess who came to church last week? That banquet manager, Liz, came. Isla and I actually went to eat there this week, and we ended up, she, was, she said, hey, she said, hey, I'm about to get off. Can we talk? And we ended up in our, in our car praying with her and talking with her. There's so many people open to the gospel. And we need to be ready to respond when the Holy Spirit opens a door or shows us someone that's looking for a flock, for a people, for a family. If you're new here and you're looking for a church family, we would invite you to be part of PC 101. It's coming up on March the 6th. Phil and I will be there to welcome you to Preston Crest and we'll just have coffee and conversation. That's what we do March 6th after first service. There's more information in the bulletin on the website. And finally, let me say this. If you're ready to put your faith in Jesus this morning, we would love to help you with that, to connect you to Jesus and to connect you to his brothers and sisters. We would love to help walk you through what that looks like for you. Maybe you just need prayers. However you need to respond, let's do that as we stand and worship together. You give life, you are love. You bring light to